and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my friend, Kylie Leota. Kylie Leota is the founder of Elements for Success, a global organization delivering transformational experiences to individuals, teams, and businesses. Earl Nightingale defines success as the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. Kylie wishes to empower people of all ages so that they can develop the confidence, skills, and tools they require to live a life of their design and purpose. She believes that you have the knowledge within yourself to create success and gives you the right tools in your toolbox to help you make these goals and ideals reality. After 20 years in the education sector, including leadership roles at both schools and regional levels, Kylie wants to empower and have a positive impact further than just the education sector. Working collaboratively across sectors, including complex behavior, trauma and early intervention, as well as transition to work sectors, She's also worked with medical professionals in the healthcare industry. Her depth of experience and knowledge ensures she's adaptable to any industry, in fact. Kylie is a change management facilitator, specializing in sustainable behavior changes for both individuals and teams. With a track record for results, Elements for Success has a long list of happy clients who've achieved their goals, a team renowned for its out-of-the-box thinking and solution-focused approaches. So... Without further ado, let's meet Kylie Leota. Welcome to the show, Kylie. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Oh, thank you. I am so very excited to be here. We've been talking about this for a little while. So to get it together, to get the planets aligned from your hemisphere to mine uh, is actually really exciting to uh, make this happen. So thank you for having me. It is. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's the um, the early evening time for you um and it's it's morning time here in the uk um yeah. and excitingly you are although not my first australian guest um it has to be said i have sarah smith she lives in canada now um wow. you are my first australian in australia in so Aust- proper yes. genuine ozzy 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 I'll throw a few Aussie isms in there for your audience. Okay, I would to... appreciate that. Yeah, just just to remind yeah. them that yeah, you the the if the accent doesn't give it away, then uh... <laughs> yeah, there well, is that. I have tried, I've tried, but yeah, there's something distinct about the Aussie twang, isn't there? Don't don't lose it. I think it's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> so uh, anyway, without without further ado, let's let's crack on. So. Um, I've I've read out your wonderful um, bio. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate that. No, thank you. Um, but I'm sure there's more there, kind of beneath that that surface that um, that we could find out about you. So, in mm. your own words, now, please would you tell the audience a bit more about yourself, including what your current work roles are and what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past, please. Yeah. So um, first of all, um, I think my first leadership position kind of 
on the books, the CEO leadership position kind of correlated with my first personal leadership position uh, over 18 years ago when I became a mum. And isn't that a leadership baptism of fire when you, you know, personally that parental and I often consider myself a leader in my house because I've got three kids. I'm a single mum of three kids. So I really take that leadership role in my house really seriously. Um, I currently am a business director of three businesses um, and CEO of all of those businesses. So I run leadership and high performance teams coaching. Um, I've got an events and co-working space business and I've got another one that's focused on holistic well-being for people with neurodiversity uh, as well and I've got another company about to launch at the end of the year so that's a little bit exciting for me as well. Um, historically I was one of those people that actually interestingly never sought out a leadership position. I didn't ever sit back and go oh I want to be a leader. I kind of became a leader by accident and it usually came from frustration of not being able to achieve the change that I wanted to in the role that I had. And I'm like, this is stupid. How do I change this? And from there, I'm like, oh, you have to be that position. Okay, cool. I'm going to do that because I wanted to have that influence. So it was never aspirationally about myself to become a leader. It was about how do I create impact and change? And in order to do that, I had to take on that leadership position in order to get that authority and influence, I guess. Um, so that's how I became a leader originally. So over my 20 plus years in education, um, I went into middle management, I then went into leadership, I went into regional where I oversaw 72 schools around how they catered for diverse learners wow. um, and became a, a bit of a go-to for principals in the local, uh, in my 72 schools, bringing me going, mm. hey, Kylie, need help with this. So I became that uh, consultant leader, I guess. And what I realised was I had actually more influence when I wasn't in the hierarchical structure uh, as a leader than I got when I was sitting in, uh, you know, when I was the pleb on the system, I guess. So in, uh, in the middle of COVID, as you do, um, I decided that I was going to leave a government job after 20 years as a single mum of three kids and start my own business. You know, because that's what everyone did in COVID, right? Um, exactly. So um, a secure government job, like permanent 20 years kind of job. And and that came again from not being able to create the influence that I needed to have an impact with the families and, and the people that I was working with. So I went, there's got to be something better out there. And so that's how I went, became into my first business. And then it's grown and evolved since there. And uh, yeah, three years in, three businesses and about to have my fourth and fifth by the end of the year, hopefully. Wow. Wow. And and um, we, when we were talking earlier, you said you were um, a deputy principal as well. Were you, were you a principal as well? Or presumably you went on to, to that? Oh, I did acting principal kind yeah. of gigs. But I, do you know, it's so funny because when I got into that leadership, I don't know, hamster wheel, mm. I guess, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a principal. And I got up to that just below that. And I did some acting, you know, here and there mm. and went, ow. Is that what that is? Yeah, <laughs> um, because yeah. it's one of those red tape things that yeah. I just saw the pressure. And in actual fact, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about leadership is because I saw the pressures of our leaders. And when I was a leader, what that looked like and sounded like for me is I never wanted to go to my boss and tell them that I was struggling. So where was my safe and supportive uh, environment for me to unpack what was going on for me? And mm. so that's why I'm so passionate about having an external provider. And that's why I'm so passionate about coaching. And that's a common passion we both share mm. is around 
Where is that safe and supportive environment for me to unpack my thoughts and feelings so that I can make create great actions, right? Yeah. And when I was in the system, I actually never really felt like it was a safe place. I had great some great leaders, don't get me wrong, but I never ever wanted to let them down. So I never told them if I was struggling. Mm. Well, and I certainly didn't want my teams to know that I was struggling because you've got to have this, I guess, appearance of authority and that you've got it all together. Yeah. Um, sometimes that comes from being a leader. And I think sometimes yeah. that's a lot of pressure to have. And yeah. I certainly know the principles. When I was working in regional office, I was that safe, supported people for people to ring up and go, hey, Kylie, this is really hard for us at the moment. And what they didn't want to do is go to their regional director and say that they were having trouble. So I became that safe and supportive environment for people to unpack. Um, And that's what I wanted to create because I think that's where the best leadership comes from when you've got time to process your feelings and thoughts in a non-judgmental environment. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love love all of that. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, so... Um, very clearly a a working mum a very hard working mum CEO of three companies soon to be four um because you know being CEO of three companies just isn't really enough is it yes <laughs> do, do you know what it's so funny because I, I consider myself the accidental business owner right so I injured myself that created my pivot plus I was frustrated with a system that wasn't really getting the outcomes that I thought we could achieve so Mm. then it was like okay I'm going to start a business and now it's like three businesses and I'm like oh so I've gone from accidental business owner to accidental entrepreneur (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's kind of how that evolved right and I was like oh is that what that is okay cool Um, but it never again it's never come out of seeking I guess that um, spotlight on me it's become it's really come out of I can see that there's a problem here that needs a solution yeah. And I've I've tried to push people out there to go, oh look, and there, there hasn't been one. So I'm like, well, yeah. damn damn it. Now I've got to do yeah. it. So yeah. that's how that and in an actual fact, that co-working and event space that I have, I was really lonely in COVID. I went for 20 yeah. years working in a really collaborative environment. Education has a lot of issues with it, but it's collaborative. Yeah. Um, yeah. to being working in my front office of my house. And yeah. and being really lonely. I'm a people yeah. person. In a silo. And so, yeah. yeah. And then there was nowhere around me that did it. So yeah. that's how that came. I'm like, well, fine. I'll create a space for entrepreneurs and business owners and people that weren't ready to go back to the office, but were getting a bit frustrated from working from home. That's yeah. That's kind of how that came about, right? It wasn't like yeah. I went, hmm, what business opportunity would be the best one for me? Yeah. It came again from solving a problem for people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fantastic. I love that. Um, no, it's very it's very insightful. Um, I, I, uh, I, you know, that you you kind of, you know, got so far and you thought, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be. I, you know, I like the idea of being a principal at one stage, but now I see what's going on. Yeah, it's 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 not for me. But you know, you know, we're kind of thwarted at trying to get stuff done in the in the public mm-hmm. system. Um, and so there's a need for this service and that service and this service. So I'm just mm-hmm. gonna I'm just gonna create it. So um yeah, I I think that's wonderful. Yeah, you are a yeah, maybe a ser- a serial entrepreneur. But once you've once you've kind of created the one business and made mm-hmm. all your mistakes and you kind of know what you're doing, don't you? You kind of like then it's like, well, the second business is easier to set up than the first business because you, oh. you for sure, um, absolutely, yeah, and it's really good. Learn by doing, and you yeah. know what? We need good leaders in government systems. We absolutely yeah. need it, and this, the government systems, by nature, all across the world, I believe, 
are burning good people out. So my, I guess, solution to that is to be that support person to keep them, that ship floating so yeah. that they can be the incredible leaders that they need to be in those environments. Yeah, um, yeah so yeah. that's what I'm passionate about, supporting them to be the best version of themselves. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely leading by example, and 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 when you were talking um before about um you know when you were a deputy principal, and you didn't you didn't feel like you had um you know somewhere to go to, you know mm-hmm. vent or 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 kind of you know share share your mm-hmm. emotions and feelings and and frustrations mm-hmm. and so on, I mean that was um you know that was a failure on the part of the principal's leadership really wasn't it because you know mm-hmm. they sh- I, I think they should have made it clear that that you had a that you had a space with them that you could go and be yourself and and kind of share all of that yeah and I think the thing is I guess you know I'm I'm a reforming people pleaser so I you know I say reforming because I haven't quite nailed it yet yeah um I'm better (laughs) than I was all right so reforming uh people pleaser and I just never wanted to let anyone down and I didn't want people to mm. think less of me also. So mm. in some instances, absolutely a failure on the leadership part. In other instances, I had so much admiration for the principal, I didn't want them to think less of me. And so yeah. that was also a barrier, right? So sometimes yeah. it was others and sometimes it was myself that yeah. was the barrier to that. And in the, you know, since I guess leading up to my evolutionary change from the education system and certainly in the last few years, I've done a lot of self-reflection on what's mine to own and what's mine not to own um and and recognizing that my people pleaser tendencies sometimes hold me back more than other people yeah but at the same time there are certainly systemic systemic things that hold people back from being the leaders that they can be yeah 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 no no for sure i mean i i see see, you know in in the medical profession uh, all the time you know we can't we can't show any any weaknesses we can't show any chinks in our armor you know we're not allowed an an achilles heel we have to be you know whiter than white you know absolute perfection patients lives depend on it you know and 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 so on also we're led to we're led to believe and we're kind of brought up in that culture but the problem the problem with that is that um you know you're not kind of to to use a kind of um you know brené brown's um work you can't be your authentic self if you're not allowed to be vulnerable uh, and if you're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable as well as not being allowed to be vulnerable. And so you were probably not kind of being yourself, I'm guessing in those roles. No, no, uh, there are certainly times. And do you know what's so interesting to me about that is the fact that the leading research, evidence-based research on how to create high performance and excellence in workplaces comes from the medical industry with Amy Edmondson's work on psychological safety that yeah. talks about the fact that that vulnerability piece is key to being an excellent performer in the medical profession, yeah. and that's the foundation. But it hasn't translated into practice. No. Uh, and, and it's like the dare to lead work. It was so funny because yeah. the education system over here would advertise, do dare to lead, and I'm like, dude, that's like that's like professional suicide yeah. to be that person in, yeah. in the education system. So yeah. they're promoting it. Yeah, but they don't but really certainly, want to we're not getting you were not getting promoted on it yeah. because they wanted that that excellence. So that was an interesting paradox for me. I'm yeah. I was watching it going, cool. Yeah. That felt it felt quite unsafe for me actually it's, when I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Because I felt like 
they didn't they didn't certainly the education system over here didn't value that even though they were promoting it yeah so I think working with like the psychological safety piece with yeah. amy's edmondson's work around psychological safety coming from medical yeah like you would yeah it's interesting yeah. that it hasn't kind of been embraced as a good model of practice yeah yeah absolutely and very um you know challenging to work within a system that that kind of just almost openly displays such hypocrisy um yes yeah yeah very difficult um and, and same in education you. in education we talk about sorry we're going to go talk all day this is going to be like a two-part <laughs> podcast i can see it already um but in education we're like just have a go it's okay to be a learner yeah but we don't do it for the adults right yeah so, yeah interesting. absolutely yeah. Thank you so much for that. Uh, that's, a, that's a great opening question, and we've already explored loads of, uh, of of rich rich subjects already. I really appreciate that. Um, okay, so so what would you um, say is your personal leadership style um, at, at the moment? Yeah. Um, so I've always considered myself a relational leader. Mm-hmm. I think coming from my background in complex behaviour, disability, and trauma. Yeah. You can't get change with those kind of young people if you can't build relationships really quickly mm, mm. Um, and and hold space for complexity, right? So you have to have a bit of thick skin when you're being called names. Um, but the reason that we, you get the change that other people don't is you can build those relationships so you can see past the function of the behaviour. Um, so I guess relational and collaborative is always my preferred style. Yeah. I can, I can you know, it's so funny because... As a as an education educational leader, um, my my goal is to inspire and empower always. Yeah. And it's so funny because some people see me as that firm but fair leader. Yeah. Um, but I also was I was equally the one that had all the babies in my office that had gone through all the trauma. You know, this one's dad had killed the mum, and this one's. Um, house had been set on fire by mum's boyfriend and you know all of, they were yeah. the babies that used to cling to me but yeah. that firm but fair was consistent so I also think you know they knew what they were getting with me and I love them anyway if they made a mistake yesterday they could turn up tomorrow and and I yeah. would love them anyway and I think that was that leadership that I had with the kids but also with my staff I yeah. have been to you know um, that's something I'm really passionate about but that relational piece and that collaborative piece that I lead, I walk beside my team. It's not yeah. necessarily that hierarchical structure. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's um, that's fantastic. So, um, re- relational leadership um, is, you know, really uh, a wonderful leadership paradigm, and uh, seems mm-hmm. to be kind of uh, pe- people like you and and some other people that I know that I'm actually going to introduce you you two um in in due course um are very yeah. very passionate about that leadership model um mm. collaborative is just is just it's just great it's just it just makes good sense doesn't it really to be to be a collaborative leader um and um yeah i'm not i'm not at all surprised to to hear you say that so thank you yeah. um i think the thing that um what i really like is you, you use the word consistent and mm. um I really like that. I think we, you know, we need, we need that, don't we? It's it's a, a bit like when we're, you know, children um, looking at our parents, you know, we kind of, 
we need that that consistency um f- from both if both parents around or from on one parent if, if yeah. it's one parent around and uh mm-hmm. and it you know it sounds like you know you were probably the the, cons- the consistent um approach was even more important for you because you had mm-hmm. pupils in your in your schools that you worked with who you were maybe the only kind of solid constant in their lives yeah. perhaps 100 percent. um and, and if you start to become con- inconsistent yeah you no know, you're letting them down absolutely and, and in an actual fact like that level what they knew is what they were going to get from me so if they did this behavior mm-hmm. i was i was they were always going to get this outcome so we'd gone through that so i wasn't you know and, and but what i was also i think was hey i'm actually having a really hard day today so I don't have as much resilience around this today. So we're going to have to make a plan. And they're like, oh, okay. So I was modeling the way as a leader about how they could show up and say face themselves. And so yeah. I was modeling how to do hard things, right? And that was the yeah. same with my leadership team. I used to, you know, I don't know about the medical profession over in England, but we, you know, we'd go through that no sick days kind of scenario. You know, let yeah. take a sick day. And I'd say to my team, you need to take a day, you take it. Just if where possible, give me a heads up so I can make a plan around it. Because yeah. if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're going to show up and not be the best version of yourself. And that damages relationships in our environment. Yeah. So for me, it's like, and they would they would come up openly, come up to me and say, hey, Kyle, I'm taking tomorrow. Cool. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah. You know, do you need anything? Um, yeah. So I, and I wanted, you know, I think COVID showed us that as a society, we don't cope very well with uncertainty. Yeah. As much as it sounds boring, we yeah. actually like a bit of predictability and a bit of certainty in our lives. Yeah. And yeah. so, and it's the same with my kids. My kids know that if they do that, that's the consequence. And it's the same consequence. I'm not changing it one day. It's not like you're going to lose, I don't know, your phone for 12 months or, you know, you have to clean the floors or something. I don't know. It's the same consequence every single time right so my kids know if you do this you get this if you do this this is a consequence so yeah, yeah. and I think as a single parent that cons- piece of consistency has saved me more times than anything because mm. I also don't have to overthink it because they already yeah. know yeah so it's helped and my you know the people that come and see me like the fact that they because I'm consistent I'm going to actually it was so funny one of my clients the other day goes I've got to tell you this. And then she goes, and you're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and you're going to say that. And I went, well, you know, you've been coached by me for a while. If you can already tell the words that are going to come out of my mouth, right? Um, <laughs> and she already answered her own problem by yeah. doing that dialogue. Um, Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so that was beautiful for me. And she's someone with neurodiversity who needs that mm. consistent piece as well because she needs yeah. to, to feel safe and secure. Yeah, You know, that's our human nature. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 great. Yeah, and and you know, kind of moving from the the your pupils to your um your colleagues and your team. You know, obviously, um, uh, as as members of of teams, we need our leaders to be consistent as well, because you know, an, an erratic, chaotic leader is just a disaster. We know that. Yeah. Um. But what I what I love uh is that you um talked about you know you know having having a hard day today 
um and um you know can't don't have the bandwidth to deal with this today so let's put a pin in it and you know we'll get back to it tomorrow or whatever you know you're modeling that uh, again going back to the vulnerability and and authenticity side of things you're just like mm-hmm. yeah you know this is this is who i am and and you know again consistently if you if you come to me at the end of the day when i'm a bit kind of like frazzled and there's loads of you know i'm fighting fires here and there that it's not it's not necessarily going to get sorted because I'm a human mm. and I'm just going to yeah. show you my humanity and 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 again you've underpinned it with the the sort of relational side of things because you had such good relationships with your pupils and your colleagues they're like mm. yeah you know we we know she's consistent we know she's going to get um, and sort it for us but mm. she's just not going to do it now um no, she's exactly told us right. why get, she's told yeah. us why I mean that's great that they know um I mean you don't have to mm. tell everyone your deep dark secrets but equally it's it's nice when people understand isn't it and have a um a yeah. reason um mm. uh, so, and yeah. and that that erratic leader you're talking about I think yeah. of it is the triggered leader is the unaware leader right yeah you know if someone can get triggered left right and center all of the yeah. time they're probably unaware to their own triggers I would, I knew, and Renee Brown, again, that values-based work is I know uh, that integrity is one of my key values. And so I know when I'm walking in alignment with integrity, how I show up. And I also know when I'm walking out of alignment with integrity, and often in our systems, it was because someone would be put put me in a position where I felt like my integrity was compromised as opposed to me choosing to walk out of my integrity. So they'd be going, oh, we're going to make this decision. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sit well for me. And so that became part of my awareness journey was when I felt like I was walking out of alignment with my values, I wasn't showing up as the person I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, And I consider myself as someone with really high integrity. And it was quite funny. I remember distinctly at one school, one of the naughtiest boys in the year level, like he'd been suspended. Anyway, lots of stuff going on. He was neurodiverse, had a lot of things going on. And I came back from a meeting and I was so frustrated. And this is a kid that doesn't really like people. And he came up to me and he went, so miss. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you look like you need a hug. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And he (laughs) this big six foot three autistic boy just come in for the big bear hug and wrapped around me. Because even he could see that I was feeling frustrated from being put in a position from walking outside, you know, out of my integrity. But what yeah. I modeled for him was it's okay, you know, we talk about, I think we've created a situation where people, we think people feel that we shouldn't feel our feelings. So it's okay to feel frustrated. It's what you do with the frustration, right? So as a leader, if I can say, I'm feeling really frustrated right now, and then I can regulate myself to say, okay, I need a hug or I need a this or whatever. Um, as opposed to I'm feeling rushed, I'm not identifying that I'm feeling rushed, really frustrated right now, but I'm going to take it out on the next five people I see as I'm walking down the corridor. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the actions we take from the feelings as opposed to not feeling our feelings. I think that's really important. Yeah. It's important to feel our feelings. Yeah, yeah. But recognising them and acknowledging them and, you know, as I said to you before, you know, you're you're clearly an insightful person, you're a self-aware person you know you're an emotionally intelligent person you know you kind of in your mm. career you've been insightful but when it comes to your own emotions and how you're feeling and what you need you're also very very insightful mm. so um all all good things for for leaders yeah and I, th- I think I think the part that I want the listeners to know is 
I ebbed and flowed on that. Like it wasn't always just a naturally, like I didn't come out of the womb emotionally intelligent, right? (laughs) I had to actually, I actually do have to do the work on that. And I think sometimes Mm. as leaders we sit there and go, oh, well, I'm just not good at that. Mm. But I had to work on that, right? That wasn't a natural thing for me. Oh, well, sorry. I always was a people-y person, but I I have had to work over the years to keep and maintain and grow my insight, my self-awareness and that emotional intelligence. So it can be something you can learn if you're not naturally gifted at it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I teach the same on my leadership workshops, you know, that we can, the more we practice empathy, the more we practice emotional regulation and and self-awareness, the better, better we become at it and the better leaders we become. So I totally agree. Thank you. Um, I think you've, you've, um, the next question is, can you tell us about your journey to leadership? I mean, we kind of, we did kind of go into that a bit in the, in the first question, but, um, and uh, I think along the lines of that, you saw uh, a need, a need for things. And that's why you kind of like went to the next level. Is there anything else you want to share about the journey or maybe more about the um, feelings you had during the journey, whatever, anything around the journey yeah. that you haven't shared already? I think the one thing I realized in hindsight, so I was an early leader, like I was promoted really early in my career, but I was promoted on the skills that I had as opposed to having leadership skills, I feel like, I don't know, again, whether it's different in different industries or different countries, but I feel like, for lack of a better word, I did it a bit ass about. Like I never got leadership training until I was already a leader. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to learning to be a leader and then becoming one. And I think often I feel like people get dumped in, and I see it all the time, people get promoted because they're good at a skill here or a skill there, but then don't get the support to learn the yeah. leadership skills that you need, which is how to manage people, conflict resolution, problem solving, yeah. all of that stuff, which yeah. is imperative. Yeah. And so some people fall over and think they're bad people or bad leaders, but it's not, it's just that they haven't had the support yeah. early enough yeah. to make that successful. And I think that's something I'm really passionate about changing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, um, that's, re- that's, that's great. Um very very much resonates um it's absolutely the case in the medical profession um as you say people just get you know put put into these roles i mean there there is now a certain um a a certain amount of you know jobs being advertised and you apply and people with an interest in leadership applying for them but still these people um in the main are not uh, educated in the ways of of leadership and don't mm-hmm. and don't have those skills. There's certainly no no training in leadership uh, at medical school. And when you're a trainee doctor, if you have if you already have an interest, then you can go on go on these courses. But mm-hmm. yeah, in the main, uh, we're just so ill-equipped, and this is why um, you know things happen between senior doctors and yeah. their junior colleagues wow. that are you know um for sure causing problems within the profession you know um, I go back to my first leadership position and I, I can almost still cringe at some of the things that happened you know it's like oh, I wish I knew then what I know now right yeah. um but again I don't think I was set up for success yeah and yeah. so you know these aspiring leaders programs really need to be promoted to help people get that skills because leadership is complex and ever evolving and ever changing, but so exceptionally important. Uh, So yeah, I'm really passionate about that piece. Mm. 
totally agree in my in my first um sort of serious leadership role um i was told by my um my medical director so i was an assistant medical director um after you know a kind of month or so we met up and he's like yeah you're just you're not around as much as you should be you're not around in the office as much you're not as sort of visible and accessible and and i wasn't uh i i didn't have any kind of negative traits i wasn't like an you know an unkind leader or anything like that. i just wasn't mm. i just wasn't great uh, you know i wasn't as um available to them as they as they might like you know and um so yeah that was that was really really good uh good learning for me but you know that had mm. to come from on the job on the job learning um but yeah as as you say aspiring leadership programs back backed up with um you know post course coaching mentoring that kind of stuff 100% that's, that's what yeah. we need yeah 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 okie dokie um well let's let's move on then um I'm really interested to know if during and I guess this is going to be more during your education career um whether there were any people senior to you female or male that actually helped you rise um, yes. So there were some that helped me rise because there were such bad leaders that I was determined to rise. Because um, <laughs> I'm like, my God, if they've got a position. Good God, I can get a position. So there was those <laughs> leaders. Um, and in actual fact, going back to that psychological safety piece, um, I didn't have the language for it back then, but I had this principle. And what I loved about him is we didn't agree on everything. And I think some people think that that's what psychological safety is, and it absolutely isn't. Yeah. But I always felt heard. Like, so, you know, again, I had the complex of the complex kids. I had the kids with the knives and on the roofs and the cricket bats and the setting fires yeah. to the school. You know, they were my babies. So when a decision was being made around potentially suspensions and exclusions of stuff with kids particularly or advocating around kids with disabilities, um, I had this leader and he would always take the time to hear my perspective. It didn't always mean that it, he followed my perspective, but I always yeah. felt like whatever decision he made, he took it into consideration. So my contribution was valuable. I yeah. could challenge him, I could challenge him on a decision without him taking it personally that I was thinking he was a bad leader. Yeah. Um, it was really about the best interest. And what I loved is the common thing that we had was we were very passionate about kids and getting good outcomes for young people. So um, so it was never personal. And then I've had leaders along the way where I've questioned something and they've taken it really personal and thought it, you know, and I felt personally attacked. Yeah. Whereas, you know, so for me, they're the, the leaders that I've really looked for and yeah. aspire to be is the ones that can hold space for an opinion that's very different yeah. from their own um, because it's for the greater good you know? Yeah. So that's the, and look, I have to tell you, there have probably been few and far in between. Um, I probably had more examples of how I didn't want to lead rather than how I did want to lead. Yeah. But yeah. I have a few key people in my life. And, and do you know what? Some of the leaders came, some of the best leaders I know were not people that were higher on me than the, in the org chart. Mm. Some of them were actually my staff who demonstrated great leadership who I could trust that if I wasn't there, they would wrap around and take care of things yeah. with the same vision and integrity that I did. Yeah. Um, I've I've seen young people 
be amazing examples of phenomenal leaders. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to me that some of my greatest examples of how to lead hadn't come from people higher on me than the org chart. Some of them have come from peers, but also below me on the org chart that have just demonstrated great leadership skills. And I've learned so much from them. Yeah. Fantastic. I I absolutely love that. I love your your definition of psychological safety. Um, mm. Really, really like that. It's not about agreeing all the time. Um, mm. It's about being given the time and a safe space to be listened to and and to be able to safely conflict. Yeah, that's, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Really love mm. that. Um, that's mm. yeah. That's great learning. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean that that um, you know that that principle that kind of like um, sh showed you that um, you know and kind of uh, it obviously was made an impression on you and was and it was quite impactful and um, you know really really good modelling. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I uh, <laughs> and and I, and I, and I like what kind of what you said earlier on. There've been people that you've looked at and you're like, yeah, that's not how to do it. That's you know that's that's why I need to be a leader because I need to not be like them. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, there's uh, again, that takes a tremendous amount of, uh, of, of insight. Um, I think to uh, n not kind of look at someone like that and go, Oh, you know, they're, they're a leader in a higher position than me. Um, how did they get there? I want to get there. So I need to behave like them. You know, it's a lot of people just, it's, it's kind of easier and requires a bit less thinking and a, and a lot less courage to just go, Oh, mm. I'll just kind of, I'll just model on them. Um, yeah. And I see that in med medicine a lot. And I love it when I, you know, and all of my guests, you know, without exception uh, have sort of been like you, they've seen, a, you know, bad examples of leadership and they've, you know, uh, obviously not wanting to model themselves on that and they've gone the other completely mm. the other way so it's like yeah that's that's mm. that leadership I don't want to be like so I'm going to be completely different and that's how they've they've learned their good leadership but in in uh in medicine and I'm sure in other in other professions as well um it's uh often the case um where they just they just kind of model don't they they just copy because that, that's what they think is right and unfortunately, there's still a long way to go in terms of those that are making the decisions want a certain type of leader sometimes or a perception of a certain type of leader. Mm. And so sometimes that can be a challenge because, you know, I actually, that principal, he actually said to me, he called me into the office one day when I was fairly new to the school and the principal down the road that I'd worked for before rang him up and said, oh, Kylie's come over. She's a bit of a renegade. And I remember being so offended at the time going, what do you mean by that? And then what I realised was because I wasn't going to stay quiet when things weren't right, mm, mm. that made me a renegade. And I'm like, well, so be it. I will embrace yeah. my renegade title yeah. because I would rather yeah. be labelled a renegade and challenge something I don't believe to be right than be quiet and have all these horrific things happen that morally felt incomprehensible to me yeah yeah um and if that if that made me label yeah. the renegade well righto um, yeah you know that's that's who i'll be yeah. um and i think for people like myself you need leaders that are strong leaders that aren't going to personalize that question like you know because i'm genuinely want the out best outcome right it wasn't about 
thinking you're a bad leader. It was, it was like, really, is this what we're doing here? Like, mm. Mm. and is that the best outcome? So if that's what being a renegade is, I'll wear my hat with pride. Yeah, yeah. Well, you say renegade, I say positive disruptor. Um, you were... Well, <laughs> you owned it. Do you know what? 15 years ago, positive disruptor probably wasn't a word, but yes, let's embrace yeah. positive disruptor. Yeah. <laughs> Retrospectively embrace it. Okay. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I'll take my renegade renegade to positive disruptor. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, uh uh yeah, you were um yeah, just kind of making waves, but in a good in a good way, yeah, kind of creating creating ripples. Yeah. But you know, you because it was in alignment with your your values, you know, it would have been it yeah. would have been dis- disingenuous of you and it would have triggered you from a values perspective mm-hmm. if you were just kind of like towed the party line, kept quiet, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. good good on you. Yeah, no, really, really appreciate that. Um, I did learn in my leadership, I did learn in my leadership journey how to do that a little bit more effectively and with greater mm-hmm. influence rather yeah. than just being the whole, no, you can't do this. Yeah. I that was something I crafted in my leadership journey yeah. over time was how to influence more powerfully by yes, the strategy yeah. I used. Yeah. Because sometimes being that disruptor doesn't get you the outcome you want. You've got to do it with influence right. and do it in that positive way, like yeah. you were mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, a really good point. And again, you know, an important uh, skill for a leader to have in their toolkit is to be able to persuade and influence without, ruffling too many feathers because the mm. the status quo is is um it's hard to change it's it's often embedded isn't it and so it's like you know gently gently but i will get i will get what i want but i would just yeah. push it through gently um yeah or or knowing the person that you're trying to influence so that mm. you can actually go okay if i'm going to do it this way i actually know that would be quite triggering for that person so i'm yeah. not going to get the outcome i want yeah. So understanding, you know, that seek yeah. to understand before yeah. you understood kind of thing, you know, yeah. that's kind of, I think, been a powerful learning for me. Yeah, yeah. Again, um, emotional intelligence um, at work, very much so. Practical application of emotional intelligence. Yeah. Okay, so um, if if you're happy to kind of um, talk about this, if you have any examples mm. um, of this, mm. did you experience any any challenges on your journey um and if so how did you cope with and and move past them so i was just thinking about this today as i was reading through the questions so i can give you a few examples so one school i was at we at the time like this is 20 years ago um it was the most violent school in our state it was it actually had that reputation and i actually had a kid smash me in the head with a cricket bat um not meaning to hit me but I was in the middle um of doing that um and I actually got in trouble for not going to the staff meeting that afternoon I actually got in trouble by my boss I got called up to the office about why I didn't attend the staff meeting um and that was my first instance of going hang on a second wait what like and that same school the district office people the regional office people had come and berated our principal because we had the highest sick leave of any school in our district at the time. And I remember, again, not recognising the renegade back then, but I remember putting up my hand and said, has anyone asked why we're the highest sick leave, a.k.a. cricket bat to the head, thanks very much. You know, yeah. we our school got set on fire by five-year-olds. 
like this was the kind of complex we were dealing with every single day. And back 20 years ago, we were actually trained in restraint. So as teachers, I'm five foot eight and we were trained to restrain and I was punched, kicked, bitten, thrown up against a wall, smashed in the head with a cricket bat, sworn at, called every name under the sun. And that was my everyday experience of being an educator. Yeah, yeah. Teaching kids to learn, this was my experience, right? I wasn't working in a prison. I was working in a school. So that was my very first teaching position, and that was my first experience with bullying. Yeah, wow. Um, I, over the different years, I remember actually in another school, I had a, a peer that didn't agree with something that was happening, and I actually had a kid, um, and it, funny, I actually caught up with his dad recently, haven't seen him in 17 years, um, this kid was in my office having a um, reset because the day had not been going well for him. He was on the spectrum. And this peer educator actually blocked my doorway. I actually couldn't get out of my office. And she was screaming and yelling at me over something. I can't remember what it was. And that kid, and excuse my language, but he turned around and went, what a bitch. Um, well, so he, she didn't even have regard for the fact that I had a student in the office. She did that. And in actual fact, what happened was that kid was also one of the naughtiest kids in the school and he was often suspended. But do you know what that kid did? Every time that person, that other peer educator was near me, he would stand beside me. Mm. And he was one of my protectors. He was like, she ain't coming near you. Um, So in actual fact, it was this really, again, leadership, right? He was, Mm. he was protecting me and he was 13 Mm. from an adult um then I you know I was I was at a school and I got told that um I had a male educator tell me that I was pretty intimidating because I was intelligent that was actually said to me yeah you're very knowledgeable about your stuff that's very intimidating and I'm like isn't that actually my job yeah to be intimidating Oh dear Lord. Uh, and then the other, I can I could go on, but the other yeah. one that sticks in my mind was I was told that I spend too much time talking to brown children. And I was actually punished by my principal. And I'm like, you know, our school's like 60% Māori and Pacific Islander and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, which are the in mm-hmm. uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, the indigenous community in Australia. Um, and 60% of our kids, probably more like nearly 70% of our kids were of those mostly those nationalities Mm. and I got and I'm like I don't I don't understand that um and I once didn't get a promotion because I was too passionate about kids with disabilities and my job was I was the deputy principal of inclusion yeah so yeah so I think it's right yeah 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 so I mean they are some um pretty yeah, in your in your face examples, right? Um, of, mm. Yeah, and there's such oh, such stupidity behind. Um, the, the, yeah, it's my it is mind blowing how bad that that is. Yeah, and how how do you um, how do you rationalize that and kind of reconcile all of that and kind of process it and then kind of work through it and mm. come out 
you know, better and, and stronger and, and knowing what's right and, and so on. How do you do that? How do you deal with that? Yeah. So I think kind of my reforming people pleaser nature that I mentioned earlier has been around for a long time, I thought something was wrong with me, mm. that that was happening. Um, and it's only since I've been doing the work on my own self-awareness journey that I'm really mindful that it's probably more related to their lack of skills and understanding around a whole oh. heap of things. And I, you know, yeah. again, had my time over a time over, I would do it very, very differently. Yeah. I think moving forward, you know, you can kind of let those circumstances define you or destroy you, or yeah. you can sort of rise above that. And I, yeah. I keep them in the back of my mind because like I present on psychological safety a lot now. And so all those examples I give you of are examples of not working in psychologically safe environments, which is why I'm so passionate about the work I do. So yeah. I think, you know, unfortunately we grow through adversity. It'd be nice if yeah. we grew through only positives, but yeah. um, it was one of the determining factors and one of the reasons I'm such a passionate advocate for a whole heap of groups that don't yeah. have voices is because I know what it's like uh, as a as a woman, as a single yeah. mum. Actually, that was another one. Let's give a prize to people that don't take a sick day. Well, cool. I'm not even going to enter because I've got three kids. That's never going to happen for me. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, so I have a few different examples of that. Um, I went through my own journey of, you know, coming through domestic violence also. So I had that, um, what's the word, a shame factor that, yeah. you know, here's me in a high-level leadership role in, in a personal life going through domestic violence, like what's going on here? So, again, using that adversity to pivot and change to create influence so other people don't have to have the same experience. I think that's the yeah. way I've recalibrated, pivoted yeah. and and used it as a positive, I guess, yeah. I guess experience. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, the, yeah. that's what I'm passionate about is... Yeah helping create influence so other people don't have to have that experience yeah that's wonderful thank you for that um i think i uh, i mean i'm i'm hearing a lot but one of the things i'm hearing is that you know you you sort of maintained your focus on the kids and their education um and so when people you know kind of block you from leaving your room and they're kind of like a shouting and screaming at you or when people say yeah. uh your your intelligence is intimidating and, and all of these sorts of things it's like well you know what it's not for me to change it's their issue it's their insecurity or it's their anger mm. or whatever it's it's their it's their issue it's not it's not me and as mm. long as i'm doing right by you know the, the kids and their education yeah. then um i'm 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 happy and and you know I'm just going to disregard these <laughs> these fools. <laughs> yeah, and in actual fact that was another really powerful learning for me was um I had this beautiful friend in regional office and I still adore her and that feedback piece, you know, that mm. we talk about as being important and I guess if I'd listened to that feedback that I was giving getting given, I would have mm. demoralized myself, right? Yeah. And I yeah. remember her saying to me she'd gone for a job, didn't get the promotion. And then someone had rung her and said, do you want feedback? And she went, no, thank you. And I remember people please are going, why wouldn't you want the feedback? How to do better? And she said, feedback's only feedback if you respect the people giving it. And I was like, whoa. Mm. Yeah. And, that is and, good. And I was like, 
you can do that? Like you can <laughs> not accept the feedback? Like, oh, my God, like epiphany for me. And yeah. that was pretty life-changing for me. And um, I've just been reading Tasha Yurik's book on insight, and she actually talks about the loving critics. So get feedback from loving critics, the people that want what's best for you. So the feedback they're giving is about how to improve yourself. Yeah. And that so that feedback's only feedback if you respect the person giving it is that yeah. loving critic piece for me that they're not going to, they're not criticizing you for criticism's sake. Um, yeah. And they actually genuinely want, they're giving you feedback because they want you to be the best version of you. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Feedback's only feedback if you respect the person giving it. That is, yeah, that's powerful. Really good. Good oh. on your, uh, good on your colleague. Yeah. Yeah. Adore her. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for, for, uh, for all of that and kind of ex explaining all of that. Um, really, really appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I, um, we're, we're kind of coming towards the end. So I have a, a question now that, um, you know, in addition to that great advice that you've just given about, you know, how to navigate your way through these workplace challenges, have you got any other um, advice um, for the listeners on how to become a strong, kind leader? Because I, I, I definitely, I mean, you say, you say firm and fair, um, I say strong and kind. Uh, I think I think that that yeah. is you. Oh, thank you. Um, and that's absolutely what I aspire to be is a strength and and that kindness piece, compassionate, um, and that empathy piece. Um, one of the things that I always talk about in uh leadership is in order to lead others, you've got to lead yourself. And in order to mm -hmm. lead yourself, you need to know yourself. Oh yeah. And I I think that's been a really key part for me. And when I look back to my leadership journeys of where I've been most successful is probably when I was operating from a really good place of self-awareness. And when I have not been successful as a leader or have not been as successful as a leader, I was probably going through a phase of maybe not being as self-aware to myself. Yeah. Um, so that I wasn't leading myself well. So by nature, I couldn't lead others well. Yeah. Um, I think that's really powerful for me yeah. that modeling the way piece is the other part is that, you know, I think I put a post up on LinkedIn the other day. It says, I hear what you're saying, but I also see what you're doing. Yeah. And if they're not in alignment, you know, it's that walk you talk kind of piece. It's all well yeah. and good to be saying stuff, but if you're not actually modeling that, yeah. yeah. Um, that's such a powerful piece. And I remember I had a leader once and he used to talk about the say do gap. Don't say it if you're not going to do it. And then he was the master of saying it and not doing it. It was like <laughs> this epiphany. It was like yeah. a little bit of a self-awareness is a dangerous thing, right? He knew the words of what made a good leader, but then he yeah. didn't walk his talk. And yeah. I think yeah. that's really important for people to understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's an author by the name of Glennon Doyle. Uh, she's married to the infamous, uh, amazing soccer uh star Abby Wombok and she wrote a book called Untamed and in that she wrote my children do not need me to save them they need to watch me save myself and that was so like knife through the heart powerful yeah. for me as a parent leader but yeah. also I think applicable as leaders ourselves right so if our staff see us model the way show us how to work through that we can do hard things yeah. And they're going to be able to do that for themselves. They're not going to need to be rescued. They're not, going, you know, we're going to model that way for them. And we're going to model humility. We're going to model humbleness. Yeah. We're going to own our mistakes. That's the way, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. I coached this amazing, incredible leader who was like, you know, 
my staff, I, you know, tell them all the time to have their lunch break. I'm like, awesome. Do you have a lunch break? And she goes, oh, I never do that. And I said, so what message are you sending? It's okay for you. And in in actual fact, her staff weren't then taking lunch breaks because even though the leader said it, they weren't actually sure if that was actually okay, if they expected her them to do that it's like yeah yeah you know i know you go home at four o'clock but i'm going to stay till six Mm, yeah what model are we messaging as a leader right so we have to be really mindful and that's that glennon door quote always sticks in my head i think the there's two more things so i fundamentally believe in the the power of the work that amy edmondson's done around psychological safety brene brown calls it um brave spaces rather than safe spaces but she calls it brave spaces for courageous work and i absolutely adore that um and then the other thing that i think is just so powerful to remember is that if you and this is one of the passion pieces about why i pivoted out of my journey as an educator into this organizational work that i'm doing is if you do not like your circumstances you actually have the power to change it and It might take a little while. You may not have the tools, but you can get them. And I'm coming from a place that personally I've left unhealthy relationships that no longer served me. And it took me a little while because some of them were a little bit scary. But I recognize that when I walked within my power, I had the power to create that change. And I didn't want to model for my children that you had to settle for less than you were worth, personally or professionally. So that's what I really hope to inspire and uh, empower people in my coaching practice to recognize most people have a problem that they're not happy with. And first of all, you've got to acknowledge it. But secondly, you can, if we do the work, you have the power, more power than we think to create change that we want. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many, so many amazing uh, nuggets there. Um, Just, just, yeah. So I love the thing about uh, knowing yourself, being self, self-aware self enough to know yourself yeah. really well before you can lead yourself well, mm. before you can be a good leader. So a good yeah. leader of others. So love that. I love the the modeling, um, modeling side of things. I hear what you're saying, but I also see what you're doing. That is, yeah, that's that's key isn't it yeah um Mm. and my children do not need me to save them they need to see me save myself I mean yeah need to watch me save myself absolutely yeah that is incredible um that is that's so so profound um and yeah and and Brene Brown um kind of reimagining uh the the safe space concept in a way to um brave spaces for courageous work some uh, amazing amazing advice there uh kylie really really appreciate that so um uh i i know you have um so much um learning for the for the listeners but do you do you have any any take-home messages any kind of any pithy bullet points that you really want to um people to take away I think that that self-awareness piece is, I guess, something that I'm super passionate about because when we're operating from a place of unconscious decision-making versus conscious connections and conscious choosing, we tend to walk out of alignment with the version of ourselves that we want to be. 
And yeah. one of the activities I do with people is when, you know, it can be done personally or it can be done organizationally. There's two activities I do with people. One of them is, so if you're having a, you know, a team meeting, for example, and it's like, okay, what do I want from my leader or what do I want from my team in terms of expectations and stuff like that? But the other question I ask them is, how do I want to show up as myself? What qualities and attributes in terms of as an ideal team member, who's the version of me I want to be in that? And how does this team enable me? What do I need from this team to enable me to do that version of myself? And how do we communicate that? Because I think one of the things that we don't do well as leaders, like we'll have feedback to give, right? We all, you know, the feedback loop that we talk about. Yeah. But you know what? So simple as a leader, one of the things I say to people is, do you ever actually ask people how they would like to receive the feedback? Because we often give feedback the way that we would like to receive it, as opposed to maybe how the other person hears it. Yeah. So, for example, I know some people that like the bullet point feedback. Don't talk waffle to me. Just tell me what needs to be done, you know. And that kind of feedback kind of hurts my feelings because it's really direct and punchy. I, I like a little bit of, hey, Kylie, I like you doing this really well, but what we need to work on is that. That's how I like yeah. my feedback to be given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A really great friend of mine, she goes, look, if you've got to give me feedback, give it to me in an email so I've got time to process it and then I'll sit down with you. Yeah. So, but how often as leaders, you know, we we go to the, I've got some feedback to give you and then we give it the way that most of us either like to receive it ourselves or we think that the other person will receive it. But the whole idea of feedback for me is around changing your behavior to an improvement outcome, right? So in order to improve that outcome, I need to be, I need to give it in a way that it's fully heard. Yeah. So if I'm going to give it to you in a way that doesn't align for you, means that you're quite triggered, right? Yeah. Um, Then then we're not getting, it's not the fit. The feedback loop hasn't worked because it's not changing that outcome. At the end of the day, I want the outcome to change. So if I need to pivot in the way that I deliver feedback to enable that to happen, that's on me as a leader to practice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's really good. That's a really good point. Um, It's, it's a bit like, you know, when you're, uh, when you're in a presentation, someone's giving a presentation, some of us are visual learners, some of us are auditory learners, some of us are kinesthetic learners and whatever. And if it's all just, Mm visual then there's a certain proportion of the room who are auditory and kinesthetic learners who are not getting anything out of that presentation right so if you're delivering feedback to your colleagues in a way that doesn't work for them that they would rather Mm -hmm. it were delivered and presented in another way that would be more resonant and you know then more impactful for them then yeah why not do that that's 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 great common sense and uh you know so simple right really so impactful simple. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. L- love that but i also love the um that sort of um relationship with your team whereby uh you know yes you um want to show up for them and and kind of be a be a kind of a servant leader and provide what they need but equally mm. um you know re- reciprocally you you need them to enable you to show up as the best leader so that you yeah. can be the best for them it's that that that's a kind of like a um a loop in itself isn't it like um 
yeah a sort of symbiotic thing like um you know I want to do the best for you I need you to help me be the best and I will help you be the best team that's yeah that's yeah that's really really good love that yeah and I think that I I often think like we don't I don't wake up in the morning I don't know anybody that does and goes oh, I want to do a really crap job today like I don't I don't get out of bed and go woohoo I'm going to do a crap job but <laughs> Un- unintentionally we can yeah even though it's not our intention right so yeah our intention doesn't always match our impact and we yeah. have to be aware that even though we're trying our best sometimes it can miss the mark but how do we yeah. circle back repair and recalibrate that to improve yeah. the outcome I think that's yeah so that and I think that feedback part so simplistically just by asking that one question if I've got to give you some feedback what's the best way would you like to receive it enables yeah. me to be a better leader but it yeah. enables you to be a better, you know, person as well because yeah. we're going to get that outcome that we both need. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so so yeah, just uh, coming towards the um the the final final stretch now. So um, what are you currently excited to be working on? Um, that you'd like to share with our listeners and uh, you know, kind of uh, things that maybe they can benefit from and and reach out and and work with you. Yeah. So um, like you, I like to be an impactful coach. So that's uh, a really big passion piece for me. I have a program that I'm launching in July uh, called Infinite Leadership, where infinite leadership is about the fact that the journey is ongoing. And if we're open to possibilities and opportunities, then the possibilities are endless. Um, And each of those, the letters in infinite is a different pillar that we're working on, which includes Mm. identity, nurturing, which is that emotional intelligence piece that Mm. we were talking about earlier, Um, fearlessness, innovation, influence, all of those different things, transformation, creating that ecosystem of support around you. So that's going to be launching in July and we're going to be doing some face-to-face, but also looking at some online virtual opportunities. And it's a bit of a mixed mode method where it will be some delivery, but also follow up with some coaching to check in and see how that's sitting with you. And if you've got any questions, Um, I'm also doing some keynote presentations on psychological safety and also understanding behavior, because I think if we don't understand how we work, and our trigger mm. points and things like that, you know, and a lot of the work I do and the medical professionals will know this as well is we talk about the executive functioning in our brains mm. and how that impacts how we show up, right? If I'm triggered into or operating in a high level of stress, generally I'm a bit less flexible in my thinking. I'm not as open-minded. So how do I regulate myself down to be back to that open-minded person so executive functioning for high performance is something I'm really passionate about as well so infinite leadership psychological safety understanding behavior and executive functioning for high performance are my big pieces that I'm really passionate about amazing amazing and um uh, I I hope that uh, lots of listeners reach out to you and um express an interest in joining your program because that sounds really really uh valuable but also really important really really uh uh vital um kind of leadership training there so thank you for that um and i think it's of, just sorry yeah oh, so sorry to interrupt i think it's just a different like there's lots of people out there doing really amazing work right yeah but i think because i come from that behaviorist background i yeah. think that just gives me that look, like it's really quite simplistic when we unpack it 
mm. but it's really impactful. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and what people walk away from is going, oh my gosh, I've got more control and power over my own life than I actually ever realized that I had. Yeah. So, and that's what I yeah. ultimately aspire for people to realize that they can lead themselves, right? Yeah. More powerfully. Yeah. yeah. No, that's uh, that's really that's a really great thing for people to get out of that. So, um, thank you. And um, yeah, talk, talking of which, what's the best way for the listeners to reach out to you um, to find out about that and kind of you know get onto that program and stuff. Yeah, so elements number four success on Facebook, yeah. Instagram, LinkedIn, and then yeah. on LinkedIn I also have my Kylie Leota page K Y L E L E O T A, and I uh, am quite active across all of those different platforms. So you can reach me on any one of those, or just send me a direct email. Uh, inquiries, E-N-Q-U-I-R-I-E-S at elements4success.com.au. Just write it down there. Brilliant. I'll make sure that's in the um, in the show notes for sure. Okay, Brilliant. So um, finally, um, uh, well, thank you for thank you for everything so far. Do you have any do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners? Oh, look, um, I think that I'm just so grateful and honoured for you to hold space for our conversation today. So thank you very much. And I think what we do in coaching is really encapsulating that brave spaces for courageous work because this self-work that we're talking about and we're so passionate about requires courage. And I think people underestimate, like, you know, uh, coaching is hard work. But it's also, it's one of those ones where, you know, the investment is so worth it because the the change that you get is life-changing. And yeah. actually how I fell into coaching was I had the most transformational coaching experience and I went, oh, my gosh, this was so powerful for me. How can mm -hmm. I do that for others? Um, so I'm really excited and so grateful for you to have me on your podcast. I have been a long-time admirer of your work. So it's really just so nice to be able to share space, break bread, have this conversation. <laughs> and um, I'm sure this is the beginning of many more wonderful conversations. I, I think so. Yeah, no, it's uh, honestly the the honours all mine. I can't I, I I can't tell you how much I've learned um, during this this conversation. And, uh, you know, the the quotes that you've um, that you've cited and uh, the ref references and things. I mean, there's just so, so much good learning here for, for the listeners. So um, yeah, no, really, really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, as you say, um, yeah, coaching can just do, do so much, so much good content. And I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you, as in I, I experienced some coaching and it really was, you know, an epiphany um for me as well um and that's how i ended up um kind of coaching as well so yeah no um definitely come along get some coaching get some mentoring you know and it's it's it really is transformative um yeah so well thank you thank you again so much for coming on the show honestly it's my it's my honor having you on the show and uh, you've shared so much wisdom and wonderful advice with us all kylie um Thank you to the audience for listening. Um, and until the next episode in two weeks, all that remains is to wish you all health, happiness and inspiring leadership. Take care. 
thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today and please join me next time, two weeks from now on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.